0: Amen, amen. Well, what's up, Salt Company? You can go ahead, and take a seat. What is up? It's so good to be with you all. My name is Travis. Welcome to the Salt Company kickoff. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, like I said, my name is Travis. I get to serve on staff here with Salt Company, and guys, I'm so excited you are here. This is our semester kickoff. We are Salt Company. I'm trying to get this clip on here. There we go. Uh, anyway, glad you guys are here. Like I said, hope you enjoyed the food. Hope you can have a small taste and experience of what it means to be a part of our community tonight. Listen, here at Salt Company, we love Jesus and we love the Bible. And in a little, little bit, uh, we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to get into uh, John chapter 3 and look at a couple different stories about Jesus. But before we dive into that, I just want to take a moment and figure out who's all here, right? We've got a lot of different campuses in Omaha. And so I'm going to shout out your campus and then you guys shout out back to me. It makes sense, all right? All right, we're going to start off with uh, Metro. Do you have anyone from Metro here? Oh, we got a few. Okay, okay. What about Bellevue? Anyone from Bellevue? Hey, we got one. That's what's up. How about college age, but you're working? Okay, there we go. That's what's up. Yeah, you guys are the smart ones here, not in debt. All right, uh, what if you're from one of the medical schools? That would be Methodist, Clarkson, UNMC, St. Mary. Anyone from there? A few there. Okay. What about them Blue Jays? Go Creighton. There we go. All right, last but not least, UNO, the Mavericks. Where you at? There we go. Alrighty, guys, it's so good to be with you. Whether you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, you're a junior, you're a senior, you're a super senior, maybe you're not even in school or you're a grad student. Guys, we are glad you were here. You belong here tonight. Salt Company is a college ministry of City Light Church, and we exist for the college student and for college-aged people. We exist to help college students figure out what it means to be a Christian during these four years, during this unique season of life. And we do this by doing two things. We gather on Thursday nights where we're going to hear from the the Word of God. We're going to hear from the Bible, and we're going to sing some songs to to Jesus. We do that by gathering. And then secondly, we scatter throughout the weeks through what are are called city groups. And there'll be more information on that later. But uh, city groups are a small, gender-specific group where you can dive into community and friendship and fellowship together. And so why do we do this? Why do we gather here? Why do we do these things throughout the week? Why do we sing songs like this? Why do we have a band? Why do we do all that we do? Because we believe that Jesus Christ is real, and we believe that He is who He says He is. And if He is who He says He is, that changes who we are as well. If you're here tonight, and you completely blow off the next 10, 12, 13 minutes if you blow off everything else that I say, if you think the worship songs are a little bit weird, you're asking yourself right now, why am I here? Know and remember one thing, right? No matter where you are at in your life, no matter what your background is, there's a God who created you. There's a God who knows you, who loves you, and he wants you to know who he is, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is alive today. All right, tonight's Like I said, we're going to look at the words of Jesus himself and see what he says about us, see what he says about our lives. So if you have a Bible, if you've got your phone with you, go ahead and turn uh, and open up to the book of John chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's totally okay. Look up a friend nearby or just listen. Let's see who this Jesus is tonight. Let's see what kind of people he interacts with. Let's see if he's really worth following with our lives. Like I said earlier, we're going to be looking at two different stories of Jesus, and each one of those stories, is, there's going to be a character in there. And we're going to look at their lives, and we're going to look at Jesus' message, and his message to both is the same. Only Jesus saves, and only Jesus satisfies. All right, let's dive into the first story in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of of the Jews. We're just going to pause right there real quick. So here we have our first character, right? His name is Nicodemus, and it says he's a, a Pharisee and he's a ruler of the Jews. Now, it's important that we understand what those two things are because it helps us understand his background and, and why that matters to this story and how he interacts with Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, which is the first half of your Bible, the Jewish people were God's chosen people, and, and the Pharisees were the leaders of those people. Nicodemus, he was the religious leader, the Pharisee, the leader of these people. And a Pharisee was essentially like a, a pastor or a priest, right? They taught the Jewish people about God. They taught them about uh, the Old Testament books. They told the people how to live in a God-honoring way, and they were supposed to be the example of what it meant to be God's chosen people. All right? In other words, Nicodemus, he kind of had his life all together. Right? He did all the right things. He grew up in the right family. He had all the right morals. He belonged to the right people. He's kind of like the kid who, who, who grew up, he knows all the Bible stories, who, who went through confirmation and got baptized, who gave money to charity and helped the old lady across the street, right? Nicodemus had his stuff together. All right, let's, let's read on here. Verse 2, it says, This man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Real quick, just imagine with me for a second that the great state of Nebraska passed a law that the only people who could live in this state could, uh, were born here, right? The, the only people that could live here had to be born here. This was a law, it was a standard. No no one else could be allowed to live in this state. Now imagine someone, let's call him little Jimmy. Jimmy, who was not born here, but wanted to, he wanted to live in this great state of Nebraska. right? Now, now Jimmy had a great resume to live here, right? Like he spoke our language, English, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he rooted for the corn huskers on Saturday. He loved cornfields and farmers and he loved Runza. If you know, you know, right? Even Jimmy's parents were born here, and he had tons of friends that lived here that he knew. Now, could, could Jimmy have lived in Nebraska, right? He, he talked like Nebraskans, right? He, he looked like the part. He was a good person. His parents were even born here. But what was the one law, right, the one standard of living in Nebraska? You had to be born here, right? It didn't matter how great of a person, of a person Jimmy was. It didn't matter that he cheered on the Huskers on Saturdays. It didn't matter at all that his parents were born here. He was not born here, therefore he could not live here. And so why do I bring this up? Why do I talk about that? Because Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus a similar thing. He says, Nicodemus, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter what family you came from or what your background is. It doesn't matter if you help the old lady across the street. It doesn't matter how much you know about God. It doesn't matter. To be a citizen of God's kingdom, to be a part of God's family, it means you have to be born again. You need a new status. That was Jesus' message to him. Now, Nicodemus, I think this is funny, he he thought Jesus literally meant an actual physical rebirth, right? Just imagine that for a second, an old man getting into his mother's womb. Maybe don't imagine that, right? But what Jesus meant was that externally, it didn't matter how good of a person Nicodemus was or how good of the deeds he had done or what family he came from. In verse 5, it talks about water, and what that actually is referring to isn't baptism. It's actually, water is used to clean things, right? To to, to wipe away the the dirt and the grime. So Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, he needed a, a change on the inside. He needed to be washed and made clean. He needed to have an internal rebirth. What Jesus is communicating to Nicodemus is that he has a far deeper need that his external actions and his good deeds could not fulfill. Maybe you're here. Like, what does this mean for us? Maybe, maybe you're here and your life looks a little bit like Nicodemus. You've gone to church all your life. You, you've protected your sexual purity. You've been a good, moral person who does more good than bad. Your parents are Christian. You've done all the things. With Saul all coming to you. Jesus' message to you is the same. You have a deeper need than your external actions, than your good deeds, than your spiritual resume. Those things cannot fulfill that deeper need. Right, we're going to pause in this story of Jesus and Nicodemus. We're going to move to the second story, the next story of Jesus interacting with somebody. Now, in this next story, it could not be more opposite, the, the character that is introduced to us. And we're going to be in John 4, so just turn the page over. Just, just look down a little bit more with me, and we'll pick up in, in chapter, or, uh, John 4, chapter 7. And it says this. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Now let's just pause a little bit and look at this new character, this Samaritan woman. Like I said before, this character could not be more opposite than Nicodemus, right? First it says, she's from Samaria. Now, a little thing about Samaria, Samaria was like Iowa uh, to, to Nebraskans. Like, we don't like them at all, right? We're rivals with them, uh, even though they're better than us in football. But that's besides the point, right? Uh, <laughs> Jews thought Samaritans were racially inferior. And these two groups, they were always in conflict with each other. They were always fighting. Jesus, who was Jewish, should not have been talking to her. So that's the first thing we see. The second thing, Jesus is talking to a woman. And at the time, this was, this was absolutely absurd. Women were not treated well at all. They were deemed as, as less than, as inferior to men. Jesus should not have been talking to her. And later on in, in verses 16 and 17 and the end of the story, we see that this is actually a promiscuous woman, deep in sexual sin, who's, who's hiding in shame from others. And who is Nicodemus? He was the perfect golden child who did all the right things, right? He went to all the church services. He prayed all the prayers. He was a good moral person that everyone wanted to be around. Jesus should not have been spending time with her at all. Now maybe, maybe you didn't relate at all to Nicodemus. But maybe you were here today and you can relate a whole lot more to the Samaritan woman. Right? Maybe, maybe you're saying to yourself, if only these people around me, these Christians knew what I did last night. If only these Christians knew what, what I was hiding. Or why would Jesus ever even want to be around me? Why would Jesus want to talk to me? She was the opposite of the the Christian poster child of Nicodemus in every way. And maybe that's how you feel too. You're not the religious kid. So how does Jesus interact with her? Let's pick up in verse 10 through verse 15. So it says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. I just want to point something out real quick. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time in this, but notice, remember all those things I said about the Samaritan woman and, and who Jesus was, right? But notice that he confronts both racism and sexism in his actions and his words towards her, right? He sees her value and worth and engages with her in a meaningful way, even though culturally he should not have. That's who Jesus was. Anyway, this unnamed woman, this Samaritan woman, right, knowing who Jesus was, he was a man and he was Jewish, speaking with a samaritan woman says why why would you talk to me let alone ask me for help you should know better jesus and similar to his conversation with nicodemus what does he what does he do he says something that she doesn't quite understand at first he's talking about water and thirst and he says everyone who drinks of this water that i give him well everyone who drinks of the water of this well will be thirsty of him again but whoever drinks of the water that i will give him will never be thirsty again I just imagine for a second, like we've had some really hot days, right, haven't we, this summer? At least here in Nebraska. Now imagine just the hottest day. We're talking like 98, 100 degrees, 104 degrees, 98% humidity, like a real scorcher, right? You just got done playing some spike ball, some, some volleyball, some sand volleyball, some basketball, whatever it may be. You're tired, you're hot and thirsty. Just imagine that for a second, right? Do you, in that moment, do you go and smash a warm, sugary Dr. Pepper, Does that sound appetizing? Like, does a warm, sugary Dr. Pepper, is that going to quench your thirst when you're tired, hot, and sweaty? Like, no, of course not. You need some water. Dr. Pepper is just going to make you more thirsty. Your body needs some water. Otherwise, you're probably going to the ER. Now, in a much greater way, the Samaritan woman in this story, she'd spent her entire life trying to quench the thirst of her soul. And she desired so badly to find meaning, to find purpose, to fulfill her pleasures and desires. But everything that she drank, all the sexual pursuits, the approval from others, every pursuit of pleasure, it only left her with a deeper longing and a deeper desire to be satisfied. And here we see Jesus entering into her story. He enters into her life and he tells her that the very thing that she has so desperately been searching for her entire life he can supply. It is available to her through him. The water that I give her will become in her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now as we look at these two stories, right the stories of Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, and and as I look out over this crowd, I I wonder how many of us can relate to one of these two characters. Maybe, Maybe like Nicodemus, you grew up in a religious home. You've attended church all of your life. You got confirmed and baptized. You did all those things. You're a good more person who does more good than bad. Like Nicodemus, you got the perfect spiritual resume of religious accomplishments. And you think that you're right with God because of what you're done, what you've done. Or maybe there's there's others here who are like the Samaritan woman. Right? You feel like you've been searching for something to fill that void in your life. And so your whole life is spent chasing desire after desire, hoping that you will finally feel like you've found whatever it is that you're searching for. And maybe it's social approval. Maybe it's sexual pursuits. Maybe it's relationships or, or alcohol or, or being successful in school or getting that job. Whatever it is in your life, you feel like there's got to be something else. Now, in these stories, what does Jesus do? He intersects their lives to show them that there's more to life than religion, and there's more to life than the pursuit of pleasure. Like Nicodemus, we have a deeper need that no amount of religious activity will ever account for. And like the Samaritan woman, we have a deeper desire and a deeper thirst that no pursuit of this life or anything in this world will ever satisfy The thing that Nicodemus needed, it wasn't more external deeds and and, and doing good things. Nicodemus needed an internal change. And and the thing the Samaritan woman needed, it wasn't more more, more sex or pleasure or whatever. She needed the void in her heart, the thirst of her soul to be quenched. Guys, the greatest need that Nicodemus faced and, and the Samaritan woman and each one of us in this space tonight. Each of us, our greatest need is the fact that we are so desperately far from the God who created us. Each one of us has, has rebelled against God by thinking that we are king, that thinking that we are Lord over our lives, that, that we are the ruler of our lives. And this is called sin. And this has caused us to be separated from God. And, and our sin, it distorts our view of who God is, and it distorts and, and breaks our lives. It leaves him a broken mess of the wrong pursuits. Our actions, our sin, our bad deeds, they've caused a depravity in our souls so wide and so deep that no amount of religious deeds can fill it. And no amount of, of the pursuit of pleasure can numb it. And so often, I, I, I'm so like this too, but so often we're like Nicodemus. We think that our, our good deeds, our confirmation in middle school or our baptism as a baby or whenever it was, our family history, our moral compass will save us and make us right with God. Salt Company, your spiritual resume will not save you. Your good deeds will not save you. Your performance, it cannot save you. Your past deeds cannot save you. Your parents' faith, it cannot save you. You need something beyond yourself and beyond your abilities to save you from your sin. And like the Samaritan woman, like you know maybe that there's something wrong with your life. You know that you've done some bad things in the past, but you keep on trying to fill that void in your heart with more pursuits, with more activities, with more things to numb the pain and the reality that you still feel empty. So i You will spend your entire life chasing after and trying to find pleasures to satisfy your soul, and I promise you, you will never find it because this life was never meant to satisfy you alone. But you see by Jesus' message to us. Jesus' message of hope to us is that he alone can save, that he alone is our hope. The good news of Jesus is that he can satisfy and he can save. You see, he came down to this earth 2,000 years ago. He became a man. He was born as a human. He lived a perfect life. He never committed any sin or rebellious act against God. Yet he died on a cross. The only person who was ever innocent and perfect died an innocent death on a cross, on behalf of all sinners, so that the void caused between us and God by our sin could be filled. You see, Jesus lived a perfect life, something that we could never do, and then he died the death that we deserved so that he could restore and fix and reconcile us back to God, so we could fix what was destroyed. You see, our sin separates us from God, and God cannot be around sin, but Jesus, he takes on our sin he pays the price, price that sin owes, which is death. And through his death, he provides a way for us to be reconciled back to God. And so that's, that's awesome news, right? But, but how does this happen? Well, right in the middle of these two stories is perhaps one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. And I'm sure many of you have probably heard it. It's John 3.16. This is how he received this. It says, So God, God so loved the world. God so loved everyone here, everyone in the world, that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish. They won't die, but they will have eternal life. You see, faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the good news of the Bible. The good news of the Bible is that faith in Jesus alone is what makes us right with God. We do not have to do anything to earn our salvation. And it doesn't stop us from there, right? Faith in Jesus, it doesn't just save save us from our sins, save us from our past, no matter what that is. But it actually transforms our lives. Jesus transforms our desires. He transforms our pursuits. He shows us a new way to live that is better and more fulfilling than anything this world could offer, than anything that we've tried. You see, Jesus, he doesn't just call us to obey a big list of rules found in the Bible. So that, we have, so that we're good little boys and girls that have boring, restrictive lives. No, that's not what Jesus wants us to do. No, Jesus actually gives us the truth of the Bible so that we know how to live in the way that he created us. If he created us, he knows the best way for us to live. Right? That means when he asks us not to gossip, or when he asks us to abstain from, from premarital sex, right, or to give generously to others, or or it's to be kind to those who hate us. It's because that he knows what's best for us and he wants us to flourish. And guys, that's, that's what self company is all about, right? We, we want to help each other live in a way that honors Jesus with our lives and, and point each other to the hope that we have in him in the cross. Because if Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives, then we choose to submit to his words as the authority of our lives, If Jesus is Lord and Savior, we're going to gather on Thursdays and on Sundays, and we're going to gather in city groups throughout the week to figure out how we can know the Bible and how we can apply that to our lives. If Jesus is Lord and Savior, that means we're not going to keep it to ourselves. No, we're actually going to go out to our peers on the college campus or in the the workforce, and we're going to invite them into our community. We're going to love them as we have been loved. We're going to tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And guys, we we don't claim to be perfect. We are not perfect. We are all a work in progress. But we cling to the hope that we have, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we strive to follow him every day of our lives. We are an imperfect community, trying to follow a perfect God who is far more gracious and far more kind than we could ever dream. As we we close tonight, maybe you're you're sitting here and you're already a Christian. You've already placed your faith in Jesus. You've recognized your need for a savior and you're trying to follow Jesus with your life. Guys, if that describes you, I want to invite you into our community. Invite you to be a part of Salt Company these coming years. Let's follow Jesus together. I want to invite you to join a city group. We'll talk a little bit more about that afterwards. Mariah, she'll come up and talk about that. But a city group is a small gender-specific group of college students who meet weekly and they're trying to follow Jesus together and understand the Bible together. Guys, let's follow Jesus together. Or maybe you're here tonight, and, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. And I want to ask you, like, why not? Why not tonight? I promise you, your good deeds and your religious resume, it, it can't save you. I promise you that. In your pursuits of pleasure and self-indulgence, it will not satisfy you. But Jesus can. Faith in Jesus, it causes the the internal change that religion cannot. Faith in Jesus, it quenches the thirst of our souls and satisfies our deepest longings. Faith in Jesus does all this because it addresses our deepest need and it fixes what is broken, our relationship with God. Faith in Jesus Christ alone is what will save you and it's what will satisfy you, I promise if you feel like something is stirring in your heart right now, if that describes you, like as, as we start singing this next song, please go to the back, come talk to me, come talk to one of our staff that are standing in the back. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus and, 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 and help you in this way. We'd love nothing more than walk, walk through what does it mean to actually become a Christian and place your faith in Jesus. And, and maybe you're the third person, you're not quite sure about this whole Christian thing and Jesus thing, and I just wanna say that's okay. I want to invite you into our community still. Come to our Thursday gatherings. Get plugged into a city group and and learn about Jesus and see who he really is. Is he really who he says he is? On Thursday nights when we gather at City Light Midtown on a regular basis, in these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus in the book of John, the book that we were in tonight. And we're going to be looking at the question that Jesus poses, who am I? And he's going to answer that question seven different ways. He's going to say, I am he's going to answer that. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, join us on Thursday nights as we study his words in the gospel of John. It's all company. Jesus is worth it. Only Jesus can save and only Jesus can satisfy. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, God, you're good. Oh, you're so good. Thank you that you truly are the one that could save us from our sins, that can save us from ourself, that you did on the cross what we could not do. You paid the price that our sin owed. We thank you and we praise you. Oh, we thank you that you actually satisfy our hearts. You don't just get us out of hell, but you actually give us a new life worth living, a life that has purpose and meaning. We oh, thank you that you are greater than any pursuit of this world. I want to pray for the student here tonight that is feeling some some stirring in their heart and their chest. God, would they have just some boldness to stand up, to go to the back and come talk to us? have the the boldness to to actually make themselves right with you tonight by placing their faith in you, Jesus. To the student who's on the fringe, Lord, would, would you invite them in? Would you draw them into our community? God, would we glorify you this coming year, this coming semester? You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise, Jesus. And we thank you that you alone are worthy. To you be the glory in all these things, God. We lift this up to you. Amen.